You are influenced only by people you trust, and you can influence only people who trust you. When you don't try to build trust, you will not be able to influence or to be influenced. I just came back from the Influence Annual Conference of the National Speakers Association. That's what we do. Public speakers, professional speakers, we influence people. And that's why our conference is called Influence. But I thought I'll talk about the connection, the relationship between influence and trust in this episode. And I have to warn you, you may discover my political affiliation in this episode. Right after this. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? Last Friday, I gave the keynote uh, for a an entrepreneurship, a young entrepreneurship program uh, that, that is relatively locally. Uh, I had kids between the ages of 7 and 12, and that, that's part of giving back uh, to my community. And, and I really enjoyed the interaction with them. And, and at the end of that today, uh, we had a visit from uh, our U.S. 3rd District Congressman. And I consider him a friend. Uh, we're, we're pretty close. Uh, and I should add that other than being our third district congressman, U.S. congressman, he's also a retired lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army, 82nd Airborne uh, and Special Forces. Anyway, he's a friend of mine, and, and I thought I'll, I'll post a picture of the two of us. And, uh, and I said that we got a visit from a friend. And one of the comments that I got to that post was somebody who essentially didn't want anything to do with him. They didn't agree with him on where he stood on several things. And I have to tell you, I don't agree with everyone on everything. There's not a single person that I agree with everyone on everything. But, you know, there is a general decline in the level of trust. And I'll talk about the connection between that and influence. And and guess where it, where it comes to? To, to light up the most, that decline in trust. PEW PW, uh, uh, Research did a study, uh, a survey, and uh, I don't remember how many people they, they surveyed, but what they found was that the people that we trust the most of the list of people that they gave, uh, we trust scientists the most. That the, the level of trust that we have in scientists range between 75% to 92%. 92% for high trusters, uh, 75% for low trusters, still 75% trusting them. And then it starts going down to the military. Uh, the military was lower on the higher trusters, down from 92% to 89%, but higher on the low trusters, uh, from 75% to 76 Then we have police officers, public school principals, religious leaders, college, university professors, journalists, business leaders. And guess who's at the bottom? You guessed it elected officials, where the level of trust for the high trusters was 46% and for the low trusters was 27%. But before I talk about that, let me start with a story. 
In November of 2013, I received an email. And uh, the email actually said, supposedly, that it was coming from the White House. Now, you know the level of spam we're getting and, and scams trying to get money out of me. Actually, that email had the logo of the White House. It starts with the logo of the White House, which you know how hard it is to find that logo on the internet and put it on your email, right? It starts, it, it goes to my email address, but it starts with the word friend, which is already kind of, uh, you know, suspicious. And it starts, the first sentence is, please join the White House Business Council and Business Forward for a briefing at the White House to discuss the president's economic priorities. This is in 2013. And it says, this is an opportunity for you to share your advice and expertise with senior administration officials and meet with fellow business leaders from around the country. Past speakers have included the chairman of the National uh, Economic Council, Gene Sperling, uh, chairman of the uh, Council, of, and, and, and so on. You, you get uh, what, it, uh, what it says. And, and by the way, it says that uh, after you register, so there's a link to register. And after you register, a staff member from Business Forward will call you to collect the, se the security information that's required to process your clearance to enter the White House. You will not be able to uh, participate if you don't uh, uh, give them that, that information. Signed, uh, Sam, and it says Sam Brown, director of the White House uh, Business Council, the White House, right? And so the information that they need from me is my social security number and, and so on. I mean, you see where this is going, right? And I'm, I'm like, this is a very refreshing approach to get my social security number and, and steal my identity, right? But, you know, I, I wasn't born yesterday. I'm pretty technical, so I can find the holes, the security holes in this. And the first one that I look for is um, where was this, what domain was this email sent from? And so I, I try and, and look at what would a reply be and what what domain did it really come from? Because typically, you know, you're going to find an email address or a domain that, that's in Russia or ends with .ru, which is Russia, or something like that. And it's not exactly what, what you think it is. This email was sent from whitehouse.gov. And, and I had to read that like three, four times to see if I'm maybe misreading some. I mean, maybe there's a typo, which typically is, is what they do. Uh, hackers, uh, they, they, there's a typo that most people would miss, uh, like the sign, the Greek sign for alpha versus the letter, small letter A that look the same, but actually it's completely different domain name now. I can't find anything. I mean, it, it looks authentic. And I started finding, looking for, is there a company called uh, Business Forward? And there is a company and they're a lobbying company for the White House and so on. But, you know, for the life of me, I couldn't find anything in this email other than the fact that somebody out of the blue is going to call me and ask for my social security number, which I'm never going to give in, in these circumstances. So... Could it be real? Well, yeah, right, because I'm on somebody's list to go to the White House, right? And so um, I decided I'm going to call the office of our congressman, our third district congressman. Um, at that time, it was Sam Johnson. 
Sam Johnson, by the way, is the congressman that ended up writing the forward to the Book of Trust, to my book. But I reached out to his office uh, and they asked me to forward that email. I forwarded to them. They checked. They called back in an hour and they said, uh, we can't find anything. Uh, why, why don't you call the White House? And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, right. I'm, I'm going to call the White House. But wait, wait a minute. Why not? I mean, the White House works for me. It's not the other way around. Why, why don't I call the White House? So I looked up the telephone of the White House, which sure enough was the same number that they put in their uh, email there. And I decided, you know, I'm going to call the White House. So I called the White House and uh, I told them about the email and about uh, a supposedly meeting on December 18th. And nobody there knew anything about it. And they asked who signed it. And I looked up and it said Sam Brown, director of White House Business Council. So they asked me, do you want us to, uh, do you want me to forward you to his voicemail? And I'm thinking, not really, uh, but hey, once again, why not? So sure. So I got to his office, uh, to his voicemail, and uh, I left a message. And the message was something like, uh, hi, Sam, this is Yoram Solomon from Plano, Texas. I received uh, an email with your signature on it, as if you sent it, and uh, inviting me to this meeting at the White House. And I just wanted you to know that things like that go out in your name. So, uh, you know, my number is this and that. Uh, you don't have to call me. I'm just uh, letting you know. And uh, that's it. Now, at that time, I was part of a program called Leadership Plano. So this is a program that gets you in touch with a lot of uh, government and non-government uh, organizations and entities within the city I live in, uh, the city of Plano. And the next day, we actually had a day, once a month, we had this day and, and we had the day with uh, Leadership Plano. Now, at that time, we had our, our executive director or program director for this program, Leadership Plano, she was a former city council member. Actually, she might have still been a sitting council member at that time in Plano. I, I don't remember. But she was uh, she was mean. I mean, she was very, very controlling. And she would tell us where to sit and what to use and when to use it. And they made it very clear in this program that your my company actually had to sign a letter that says, I'm not going to have any work responsibilities on that one day a month uh, when I'm in the program, Leadership Plano. So uh, we we were supposed to not bring cell phones, or if we bring cell phones, not just put it on vibrate, but actually turn it off. So I'm not even going to get the phone to vibrate if somebody's trying to reach me. But you know what? With all due respect, I have a wife, I have two daughters, and uh, if something happens, uh, if they call me, then I need to know, and I will pick up that call. But I'm going to be respectful, so I'm not going to leave the phone on a ringer, but I'm actually going to put it on silence. So uh, we're going through that day, and about halfway through the day, my phone starts vibrating. I'm looking at the phone. I'm looking at the number. And I don't know what this number is, but it sounds familiar. 202-456-1111. Where do I remember this number from? And all of a sudden it hit me. That was the White House number that I called yesterday. 
So I picked up the phone to go outside. Andre was looking at me with, you know, this, she was giving me this mean look, like trying to burn me with, with her look, which didn't work. But, but I went outside, I answered the phone. This is Yoram. And on the other side, uh, the person said, hi, I'm Sam Brown. You left me a message yesterday. Really, the only two people that would know that I left him a message would be him and myself. So that's pretty legitimate. And uh, I said, yes, I just wanted to let you know about that email that I received uh, supposedly in your name. And he said, yeah, it did come from me. Okay. So are you telling me that I'm invited to this White House meeting? And he said, yes. I said, where is this meeting going to be? He said, well, at the White House. Okay, that's an interesting twist to that story. And, and I asked, how many people are going to be invited? And he said about 60. And I thought, man, you want to tell me that somewhere there is a list of the top 60 people in Plano to be invited to the White House, and I'm part of them. And he says, no, it's not from Plano. It's from the entire nation. Okay, how did you get my name? And he said, I don't know. We work with this company called Business Forward. They reached out to business and civic leaders, and uh, your name was on that list. I don't know how they made that list. Can you come to the meeting? I'm like, sure. So now I'm coming back uh, into the uh, room, the leadership plano room, and Andre, the executive director, she looks at me and she wants to, again, burn me with her look. And I... You know what I had to do. I did what I had to do. I told her, I'm sorry I had to leave. This was the White House. I had to take this call. Well, I was a member of the other party uh, than President Obama's party at that time. But I decided I'm going to go to that meeting. So I went to that meeting and, and you know, I was telling my wife up to the moment where I stood at the at the door, at, at the, the, the checkpoint to the White House, to the West Wing of the White House. Up to that point, I was still certain that this is, you know, some kind of a hoax. This is not real until they passed me through security because my name was there at security. And it was, it was a, I think about four, five, six hour meeting. By the way, one of the people that I really enjoyed meeting was uh, the National Economic Council. Uh, chairman Gene Sperling, and, and the reason is not necessarily what you think, not necessarily his role at the White House, as it was he was an advisor to the best TV show ever, The West Wing. Uh, he was an advisor to that show, and that's one of the shows I love the most. So we spent the time, and, and I flew back home, and when I got back home, a friend of mine said, who's the same party as I am? He said, wait a minute, why did you go there? I mean, they're, the president is the other party. The, the, the entire administration is the other party. They're not going to listen to you. Why do you go there? And my answer to that was, you know what? You know me, I'm not shy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk. I'm, I'm going to bring up things. And, and if only once in those four or five hours, somebody there at the administration is going to listen to me and say, well, that's an interesting idea. Even if that happens once, it was worth it. It's my civic responsibility. I definitely don't have an opportunity to influence anyone if I didn't go. 
Why did I tell you this story? You know, first of all, uh, by now you know that uh, for the most part, I would say that I'm affiliated with the Republican Party, although I would have to say that, uh, first of all, I have friends that are affiliated with both major parties. I voted for members of both major parties for different positions. I stay in touch with them. I build trust with them. I don't think, frankly, that any of the major parties today completely represent me. Uh, I do believe that members of both parties have valid points because there are two stories to every argument, two sides to every argument. Unfortunately, today we focus on the extremes. The reason we focus on the extreme positions is because that's where the power and that's where the money is. And you need money to win election. And the money comes mostly from people who are in the extremes, not people who are in the middle. You know, one of the things that drives me crazy is when members of one party starts talking about members of the other party. So let, let me just clarify it. And, and they, they refer to members of the other party as hating America. Let me just say this. Terrorists hate America. Not Republicans, not Democrats, not liberals, not conservatives, not blacks, not whites, not gay, not straight. Only terrorists hate America, not the others. But when we talk about a member of the other party who disagrees with me on something where I'm sorry, but there are valid points on both sides, what do we do? We do dehumanize them. We don't see their positions. We don't want to see their positions. We don't care about them, which is why all of a sudden it's so acceptable to say that they hate America or to say that, uh, that I, I, I don't know what. But, you know, we're getting to the point where not only that we're not trying to get to a win-win to find good, effective, efficient compromises, we actually care more about them losing an argument than us winning. It's more about them losing than us winning. And if you don't believe me, just look at campaign uh, messages at all levels of government, including the, the local level. You know, others, uh, most, uh, I'm not going to say most people, many people I know simply distance themselves from people who disagree with them. And, and this, is, this is how I started. This is how the topic or the idea for, for this episode came to me when I posted that I was honored, I was happy to, to see a friend of mine, the, the current congressman for the 3rd District, 3rd District, uh, U.S. District, and as I said before, I have very, very high respect for him as a retired lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army 82nd Airborne and Special Forces. But even if I don't agree with him on everything that he does, which, by the way, I don't even agree with my wife on everything that, that she does on everything she stands for. But I get closer to people. You know why? Because I can then build trust. And when I build trust, I can influence them. And you know what? I can be influenced by them. Okay, so I'm 20 minutes into this episode and I didn't even say what influence means. I looked at dictionary definitions, so I'll give you a couple. Um, it's the power or capacity of causing an effect 
in indirect or intangible ways. Another definition is the act or power of producing an effect without apparent exertion of force or direct exercise of command. Another one, uh, the capacity or power of persons or things to be a compelling force on or to produce effects on the actions, behaviors, opinions, etc. of others. In, in essence, your ability to influence someone is without having control over them, and official control, without having official authority over them, convincing them to do something that they would otherwise wouldn't do. And they do that because they want to do it, not because you made them do it. <laughs> Flip side of it, what does it mean to be influenced? You know, we look at being influenced as something bad. You know, they influenced me to do something. Influ being influenced is not a bad thing, because remember, the definition of influence means that I did something on my own, really because probably I learned something that I didn't know before. I saw another perspective that is not the same as mine that I wasn't aware of before. I never saw things this way. And because of that, I changed my mind. Nobody forced me. Nobody used authority. Nobody used control. Nobody used threats or any other kind of, of extrinsic motivation. I changed my mind because I learned something uh, or I saw something or, or I saw perspective I didn't know before. Now, it starts with you must accept that there are other sides to the story than your side. There are two sides to every story. And I'm sorry, I said that many times before. And I had people say, no, there are certain things that have only one side. Nope. There are two sides, at least two sides to every story. Being influenced means that you care enough about another person to be willing to compromise your own position. Being influenced means that you're striving for win-win, for, for growing a pie rather than a zero-sum game. And the more you trust, the more you can be influenced by the other person. And by the way, the more they trust you, the more you can influence them. And I'll talk about the components. I'll use my relative trust model for that. But... Um, in order to be to, to, to be influenced, you have to trust them. You have to believe what they say, that they're not lying to you. You have to believe that they care about you. You have to believe that they're on the same side as you, that, that somehow we can slice, we can cut a line and both be on the same side of this line. You know, I can draw a line between us and we're going to be on two opposite sides, or I can draw the line somewhere, somehow, that we're going to be on the same side. Since most of what I talk about today in this episode is, is in the political sense, I, I need to bring up that we have a growing political divide. I mean, I read an article that said that um, the, the level of discourse or... or I would go as far as saying hate speech that we have in the political arena is as high or if not higher than we had during the Civil War. 
there was a study from MIT back in 2015 that analyzed the how members of parliament, specifically the U.S. Congress, uh, the House of Representatives, how did they vote on roll call votes where, where you can actually track how any member voted? And, and back in 1977, this is right after the Vietnam War, you would think that, that uh, we were the most split back then. They found that uh, in that year, there were almost 13,000, 12,921 agreements across party lines on vote, uh, roll call votes. 30 years later, 2007, the number of roll call votes went up 75%. The number of cross-party agreements went from 13,000 down to 181. How do we bridge that? By dehumanizing the other side? No. If we dehumanize the other side, then, then again, not only that we're not trying to get a win-win, not, not only that we're trying to see their side, you are not going to see the other the side of a person that de you dehumanize. You know why? Because you don't see them as people anymore, as humans anymore. You, you bridge that by getting close to them, by building trust, by finding what you have in common. That's that's. Personality compatibility. So I'm, I'm actually going to talk about the different components of my relative trust model and, and break them down into how do you build that trust, even across party lines. And, and it starts with competence. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, but we're not going to trust people we don't think are competent. And unfortunately, I don't think that I can say that everybody is competent in, in our main federal legislative body. Uh, and, you know, I don't need to tell you that. Just, just follow the news. But the second component is the personality compatibility. When, when you start having things in common, that, that's when you start listening to another person. So if you disagree with somebody politically... But you believe that that person is competent, you're more open to listen to them. Find out what we have in common. That's the personality compatibility. The more you have in common with them, and you have something in common with everyone. Uh, trust me. You know, uh, here I'm going to share one other dark secret from my past. Actually, not very long past. It's from Thursday. I got a tattoo. Yes. You want to know about my commitment to trust? I got the word trust tattooed on my left arm. The moment I realized that the tattoo artist was left-handed, like me, we already had something in common. You know, it, it was a, a little step. I, I already trusted her more, which, frankly, I don't know why us being left-handed, both of us being left-handed would, would build trust in any way, but it was something we had in common. Finding areas where we are on the same side of that line in the sand or, or that wall. I, I like to think of it as a wall. If we're on the same side of the wall, there, there are things where there are issues where we're not on the same side, but there are also issues that we are on the same side. And for those issues, 
it's easier to use them. And this is the component of symmetry or, or fairness. It's, it's helping us trust each other. Now, building that trust can be done with time and intimacy that we spend. So the more time we spend together, the more we trust each other. You know, it's very easy to not trust somebody that we don't spend time with. And, and time to me is made of three components. The amount of time, the frequency of, of interacting with that person, and predictability. Then comes the intimacy. Are we communicating with them over text or email messages where it's very easy to make assumptions on what they mean and for them to make assumptions on what we mean? Or when you see them in person and you can evaluate subconsciously the consistency of their words and their body language, their nonverbal communications. And, and by the way, for them to observe the consistency of our body language and our words. And, and by the way, if they can see the cons they will only see the consistency if we say what we mean. We will see that consistency if they say what they mean. And when they don't say what they mean, or we don't say what we mean, there's going to be an inconsistency between body language and words, and that inconsistency would cause the other person to distrust. Then there's the positivity during the interaction. The positivity is really made of two components. No BS. When, when people use BS, when, you know, a lot of symbolism, doing things or saying things just so that others will hear you rather than because that's what you mean. There, there's a whole bunch of things that fall under the no BS category. And the, the second one is empathy. Are they really trying to see my side? Are they really trying to understand me? Do they understand that I'm not like them and, and I'm coming from a different place than they are? And am I trying to understand them? Building that trust. And again, it's the same six components. It's the who you are, the competence, the personality, compatibility, and, and symmetry. The last two are who you are relative to me. The first one is who you are in general. And the three components of what you do when you interact with me or what I do when I interact with you. That's positivity, time, and intimacy. It's so much easier to influence someone who trusts you. But you have to build that trust. If you are dehumanizing the other person, if you keep saying that the other person hates America or whatever, they're not going to trust you. You're not going to be able to influence them. Once again, I don't agree 100% with anyone. I have my own positions, not even with my wife let alone my government representative, my elected officials. But I build the relationship with them. I build trust so that they will trust me. And, and a big part of that is, is I'm no BS. I'm a straight shooter. I tell them what I think. And even when they disagree with me. They know that I'm genuine. They know that I'm authentic when I tell them what I feel, what I think about the, the topic. And because of that, I build trust, their trust in me. And because of that, it's easier for me to influence them 
on, on my side. I'm not always successful, but I'm a lot more successful than if they didn't trust me, if I didn't try to get them to trust me. And by the way, it works the other way around. I don't pretend to know everything. I don't pretend that every position that I hold is the right position. But when I build that relationship, it is kind of two-sided. I always build, I also build trust in them that allows me to listen to them and let them help me see things or the side that I don't necessarily see, understand that side and be influenced. And again, being influenced is not a bad thing. It, it means I didn't see something before. I didn't understand something before. And they helped me understand. And as a result, I've changed my position on something. That's all I have for today. Until next week, may trust be with you. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.